Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is a little bit outside of our industry, but so, so important to our industry and someone that you need to meet. Her name is Maura Manzo. She is the co-founder of Yoga Home. She teaches yoga, meditation, and how she came on my radar is she creates retreats in wonderful destinations and wraps it all together in an incredible experience. So I am blessed to know her personally. She is amazing. I was just telling her how beautiful and young her skin looks and to stay out of the sun. <laughs> so welcome, Maura, and thank you for spending this time with me. Thanks, Elaine. Thanks for, for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So the reason I asked you is because as someone who is now 54 and has, you know, I often joke that I've donated my body to the hair industry, not science, because if I start from the crown of my head and go down to my toes, I could name quite a few things that are not, that are no longer working properly because I have stood in bad posture for 13 hours a day, no lunch breaks, no water breaks, not feeding my body, my mind, or my soul, anything that it needed. So mm. I'm a little bit of a late comer to the whole yoga and wellness and dabbling in it a, a bit. And I'm still not, you know, I still don't understand any of the, the names for the poses and it still intimidates the hell out of me. But what I will say is the emotional mind piece for me has been more important than even the body and the movement. So I would love for you to talk to the mostly hairstylists who follow this podcast on, you know, not being like me. I shared with you before we started recording that I was always intimidated to be a newbie. I always felt like Anytime I would go to a class, the terminology freaked me out when they were like, go into downward dog and go into this. I'm like, what the heck's a downward dog? And why are all these asses in my face? Like I, <laughs> I totally felt dumb and awkward and nobody likes to feel that way, yeah. but it's a silly way to stay when every single person in that room had their first day. And that's, I think what you forget. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, like anything we try that's new for the first time, creating that relationship and finding the right person that's a match for you is super important. Um, I, it's interesting because I feel like the older I get, the harder it is to try new things. Like that feeling of intimidation or fear or not being good enough, like is stronger and stronger. But when we were kids, like we were trying new things every day and we were falling, we were getting bruised, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think part of it is our, uh, uh, our own emotional maturity to be okay with being uncomfortable and finding the right fit, right? Finding somebody that makes you feel welcome, finding somebody that is breaking down um, poses and names of things in a way that feels accessible. So that way you want to keep coming back, right? Um, and one of the things that a lot of people don't know about yoga is there's a lot of different styles. There's a lot of different styles. Um, so you have uh, 
um, a gentle, a gentle form of yoga that is stretching and breathing. And then you have styles of yoga that are more cardiovascular, more vigorous, more about building strength. And so I think it's also important to understand that and know what you're stepping, uh, what, what style you're stepping into. So that way you're prepared. And if you're, if you're, if you want to show up to a gentle class and relax, you, if you show up in a power room that's heated to 95 and it's got the humidity going, like it's not going to be your jam. So just educating yourself, um, finding resources to help you find the right fit and not being afraid to call, email, text, use social media to ask, to ask questions before you arrive. Um, so that way, so that way you're just setting yourself up for success, you know? I think for me too, having my daughter so involved in with working with you was a big help where she brought more to me and the understanding of everything and then going with her to a workshop mm. it was cool for me as a mom to have her showing me the ropes and something you mm. know I would take her to a spa and be like here's your robe this is how you do this take off this go in here and then she's doing that for me mm. at your yoga studio and all I kept thinking of is if she was not here right now I don't even know what this blanket's for that somebody just handed me. I don't know what this mm. block is. What I loved about your studio is you had those little stones and you said, you know, put that in front of your mat if you're okay with me coming and touching you and helping you get into it. And I'm like, that's genius because you don't want to raise your hand in the middle of a session and be like, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you come help me? So mm. all those little touches really help. But I think, I think for me as a color educator, I can relate to... When you're teaching a group, you can't possibly check in and know every stage that everyone in the room is in. So it's kind of like shame on me for my first visit that I didn't go up to the teacher and say, hey, this is my very first time and I don't know a thing. So if you could kind of just dumb it down a little bit just for this session so that I don't feel like an alien on another planet, I would love that. Yeah. And I'm sure they would be happy to. Yeah, but it's that term yeah. and not like oh shavasana, and then I still don't know what shavasana is. I just follow everybody else in the room, but <laughs> but you don't want to not know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just makes it really awkward when you don't know. Absolutely, and I think that um, I think the responsibility lies with both people. So a student that's new to the practice coming in and saying I'm new, right? It's my first time here, or it's really helpful for the instructor to know if you have any injuries that you're working with or have had a recent surgery because there's going to be things that they're they're going to want to adjust or modify for you so that way you don't get injured and i also think it's the teacher's responsibility i, I taught teacher trainings um, for a bunch of years and i always taught new teachers this like it's your job to create the environment and the space and that includes you know managing your registration and seeing who's new they might not be new to the practice but they're new to you and that's what you want to find out so it's, you know, I think of it like manners. Like if somebody comes into my house and it's the first time they're in my house, I want to say hi, I want to introduce myself. I want to show them where everything is, where the bathroom is, ask them if I can get them something to drink. You know, that kind of, setting that kind of environment is the first opportunity to like cut that edge off of that fear and anxiety that people have when they come into the, to the room for yoga. Um, so two things that you just said, triggered something for me when you said, you know, you want to make sure that you share if you have any injuries and you don't want the person to get hurt. I was doing 
yoga virtually with someone who I never did it with before. And of course I'm trying to keep up and do everything I'm supposed to be doing. And I had these really hard tile floors. And because I don't know what the heck I'm doing, I only had one mat on the floor and we were doing that thread the needle pose. And I had to Mm -hmm. lay on this left shoulder and thread my arm through Well, I ended up tearing my rotator cuff. So mm. now it just gives me that fat girl excuse that I always want to have of, oh, I can't even do yoga. I'm, I'm hurt. I can't do mm-hmm. exercise. That's why I'm overweight. So mm. it's, it's, I exercised before with a client of mine who was a division one athlete, a basketball player. She was trying to train me. I was 50. She was 35 and she's making me chase her up hills and she's chasing me up hills. And of course I end up hurting my foot really bad to where I had to be in a boot and all that. So every time I try to dive in, I think I go too hard, too fast and try to make up for lost time. And I'm like, man, if I can hurt myself so bad that I need surgery from yoga, where the heck does that leave me? But I think it's because I'm 54 and I wasn't doing the proper stretching and the proper things at my younger age to be flexible enough to thread my needle. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, to, to injure yourself in a pose, like thread the needle. um, It's, it's about recognizing the patterns that your body was holding before that and that, and that wear and tear and, and then doing something like anything, if you're not doing it the right way, if you're not paying attention to alignment, right, then it's going to, uh, take advantage of that kind of weakness. And that's where injury becomes possible. But I think, you know, you're not alone in, especially like the entrepreneurial world. And uh, we tend, we tend to be a little type A, right? So we want to get into something and be good at it right away. Um, and when it comes to the body, again, our, all of our bodies are different and unique, right? So I may be inherently more flexible than you, but you might be Uh, stronger than I am. And so again, finding ourselves in the right space with the right instructor that I'm trained to be able to see that in somebody's body, right? So I know that I could be teaching the same pose, but I could be looking at two different bodies in the room and and kind of cue accordingly based on on what I see. And there's there's a humbleness that has to come with being a student, just like being a student of anything to go Oh, and so it's so hard, so hard for me as, as type A, recovering perfectionist, competitive to say, okay, like I, I, I can't push it because I, I'm not going to recover the same way that I did when I was 20. Right. And so <laughs> humbleness, some grace, you know, these things that are um, uh, just a little bit more challenging, but so anyway, what I wanted to, what I wanted to, um, speak to is, so it's been really hard in the pandemic teaching virtual yoga because I don't get a chance to really see everybody's body. And so oftentimes, especially the first couple months of the pandemic, while everybody was getting adjusted to virtual yoga, virtual fitness, um, I I had to speak to the students taking even more responsibility for themselves than they were used to in the practice because I can't see you. So I have to trust that you are taking care of yourself. You're, you're, you're practicing discernment between what feels challenging versus where you're going to hurt yourself. Um, and the same thing on the other side of the coin, like if this, 
you know, do you need more rest today or not? And while that was challenging for me as a teacher, some people leave their video on, some people don't. So I'm teaching like black boxes. Right. So I also really spoke to if you're comfortable leaving your video on so I can see you. If I can see you, then I can speak to some of the things that I'm seeing. But I also think that in the long run, I mean, it's one of the principles of yoga is, right, self-awareness. So by folks having to step into that relationship with their practice and um, responsibility for themselves a little bit more, right, that's self-care, that's self-awareness. And that's gonna, that, may, that has the potential to make all of us more empowered, more on point, but it was still, it's still been very challenging teaching virtual yoga. So tell me about your journey. I know you weren't always aspiring to be a yoga teacher and you've, you've found your passion and your niche and you've pivoted when you needed to. You've just kept reinventing yourself, but where did it come from? What was your first connection to that whole yeah. world? It's so interesting because I feel like I'm totally in a pivot again. And the pivot that I'm making now is actually going back to the roots of how I got into all of this. So the, the short version of a long story is I was probably, I was about 25 and there had been major changes in my life, enough changes, including a fire that had me kind of sit back and reflect and go, what do I really want to do with my life? And um, what I did was I enrolled in a holistic nutrition program and it was called the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which now is all an online program, but at that time it was a, um, a year training, a year long weekend training up in New York City and getting into many different philosophies and theories, but ultimately a holistic view of food as medicine, right? As a, a food first philosophy that um, how we feed ourselves is different for everybody um, and has the potential to really heal us and help us or harm us. And so while I was doing that program, I decided that I wanted to go work. I wanted to go find a, um, like an alternative wellness center to learn the industry. And this was 15 years ago. There weren't a lot of these, these places around in the suburbs of Philadelphia, but there was one that had just opened in Conshohocken and it had yoga and Pilates and um, a therapist and massage and Reiki and a naturopath. So. I said, all right, I'm going to go um, work the front desk on weekends and nights to learn this industry. And I was there for a couple months um, and I had no interest in yoga. I had zero interest in yoga. I had a ton of interest in the naturopath. And, but I was learning about it. I was, you know, you, you put yourself in a room with people that have all of this different information and um, you're gonna learn, you're gonna assimilate some of that. So I was learning about it. And then the fire happened where I lost everything that I owned. And I had heard enough of the, these healing powers of yoga to help you move through big shifts and changes. And so I said, all right, I'm finally gonna go try this thing out. And I didn't even go to class at the studio that I was working in. I went somewhere close to my house because I didn't want everyone to be watching me. Mm. The, the, the wellness center where I was working, everybody knew me, everybody knew I just had this fire. I felt like I was gonna be under a microscope and like if I got upset, right? So I went somewhere where I could be anonymous and the rest is really history. 
The rest is really history. Um, I fell in love with the practice immediately. I had, um, I started with very gentle yoga. I had like visceral experiences of, I can remember like just take, taking a twist, just turning my body. And this is literally like three days after I lost everything and tears just started coming out. And I was like, Whoa, what's, what's happening? <laughs> what just happened? Why am I crying? Like, why am I crying? I'm, I'm not a crier like just, just so kind of mind blown. Um, and then very quickly, my body was very familiar with yoga because I grew up as a competitive gymnast. Mm. Um, so I felt like there was this remembering that was um, happening and this like coming home to my body and the power of my body and how I could be strong and vulnerable at the same time. But then also like, I'm, I'm, I'm athletic, I'm vigorous, I need a challenge. Then starting to do some like pretty advanced um, yoga postures and feeling really empowered. I was like 25 and doing handstands and stuff that I hadn't done since I was, you know, an early teenager. Um, and it was, uh, it was just so healing for me that, like I said, the rest was history and then, and here I am. Well, there is where we are no longer alike. Bryn often says to me, you guys remind me so much of each other in the driven, stubborn, type A, competitive, all those things, but gymnast, Bryn, twisting, twisting. <laughs> <laughs> she's just like, you guys, with our business, basically, she's like, you're so yeah. much alike. Like you're so entwined in your, your, your business is your baby. And one of my favorite lines, and it pops up all the time, is that your mess becomes your message. So I'm sure you'll agree that that fire was the best thing that ever happened to you. I'm sure at the time, it was the most devastating thing that ever happened to you. But I am a firm believer, a friend of mine is a hairdresser, and he just did something to his foot where he's in a boot. And he did a TikTok or a reel or one of those things where he's on that um, cart with the wheels, with a handle, and he's whipping around the salon with his leg up saying, look at me, I'm still working. And, and now me said, hey, make sure that you're getting the message that the universe was trying to give you with that foot. Mm -hmm. To which he answered, yes, absolutely. Um, what did he say? something like working smarter, not harder. And I was like, yeah. no, that's not what the universe is trying to tell you. The universe is telling you, you have enough, stop trying to have more. And I, I watch my mom go through it constantly with physical trauma, things major to get her attention. And I keep saying, and we grew up Catholic. So she gets mad when I say, mom, you broke your foot because the universe wants you to stop rushing. You broke your arm because the universe, and she's like, no, I'm clumsy. I'm like, no, it's, you're not getting it. And, and it's, it's the whispers. The whispers are a couple stitches in your finger or a cast for a couple weeks. The shouts are, you know, major surgery, something that's going to put you down longer. And then the, the, you're not getting it is when it's really, you know, a disaster. So I totally thousand percent believe in that. Me too. And I've always believed in that. And I think once I started, once I started getting into all different types of holistic living, so how I was feeding myself, how I was exercising, drinking water. Uh, how about this one? Stopping smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Yeah, I'm shocked that you were a smoker. Bryn did say that. I was really yeah. shocked by that. Um, those whispers became louder. 
right? Those whispers became more frequent. Um, and I really, the, again, the, the, the practice of yoga is holistic in nature. It says there is no separation between mind, body, and spirit, right? So what you do to one aspect of yourself, right? How you take care of your body or not take care of your body is going to affect your mental state, your emotional state, your spirit state, and vice versa. How you take care of yourself emotionally is going to have impact on your physicality, right? Um, and, and I think that the, the practice of yoga and, and any sort of meditation or mindfulness, which for me can be travel, which for me can be, you know, just getting outside of my comfort zone and my limited scope um, or being outside in nature and just like staring in awe at the ocean, right? Any of those things um, just help me tune in more. So that way I'm not so busy or distracted that I no longer hear those whispers, mm. you know? And the body, our bodies are just, they're older than our minds, right? They've, they've, they have, I don't know what the scientific term is, right? But the, uh, the instincts of the body, the cells of the body are, have just been around longer than the way we use our mind. And the body is amazing because the body will often tell you before your mind catches on. Your mind's gonna, your mind likes to divide things and think of right and wrong and left and right and it likes to analyze and make lists and be, you know, all that kind of stuff. Your body's intuitive, your body's creative, your body's full of wisdom. But the mind will go, oh no, this shoulder, it's good. And your body's like, no, no, no. I'm telling you, you gotta, you gotta like take it easy, right? Or how you're sleeping or how you're pooping or not pooping, right? Your body's gonna tell you when something needs to. Uh, to be taken care of. But if we're so busy and distracted, we're missing, we're missing all of that information. Yep. You know? I love that you brought up smoking because unfortunately <laughs> that's a very common thing in the hairdressing world. And mm -hmm. I've made it through 54 years as a non-smoker. I sound like I smoke 12 cartons a day with my voice, but that's, this is my Achilles heel is my throat. Mm -hmm. But for me, we talk about it all the time where the, the best part of mindfulness meditation and yoga for me is that deep inhale and exhale that you don't, you hear me, I don't take a breath when I'm speaking. And it's a very bad habit of mine to just talk from my, my back of my throat and not from my diaphragm. But my theory, and I don't know if there's any truth to this, I think that part of the, the draw of smoking is that deep inhale that you're not even realizing that that's what makes you feel so good that you're deeply inhaling on a cigarette when you wouldn't normally go into the break room and just with no cigarette. And I'm like, yeah. wow, I wonder if that's how the habit starts where that's what makes you feel good versus the nicotine addiction that it becomes. Yeah. Yes. So I think uh, for me, number one, I grew up in a family of smokers. So there's that. Uh, number two, I spent, I mean, my first job, I was 13 year old, 13 years old, busing tables at a fifties diner until I was probably like 30 worked in the restaurant industry. Um, so, you know, there's those two things that make the, uh, addiction or the, the likelihood of moving towards something like that, just more probable. I remember when I was quitting, uh, I, I quit smoking like many times, but one of the the 
the last, the le the time, I think it was time that it stuck because it was after the fire because I quit and then the fire happened and then I started smoking because I was so stressed, <laughs> right? Uh, and I can remember talking to my therapist and she was like, you realize what's happening with the cigarette is the deep breath. Yeah. And so if you're going to get rid of cigarettes, you have, what are you replacing it with? Right. And um, to, to have that, it's a, it's a, it's a coping mechanism to, to some degree. And so that, that like clicked with me. And then of course I was like already getting into this holistic world. So I was like, okay. And so I feel like then that accelerated my um, exploration into yoga because there's a, there's a, there's a piece of the yoga practice that is not really talked about that much if you're if you're new to yoga or don't know that much about yoga and it's breath work and it's learning different breathing techniques to to regulate yourself right so whether it's to give yourself more energy or to calm yourself down or to de-stress or you know etc and what i will say is you think it's the inhale but it's really the exhale mm. You get to take a big inhale, but the bigger your inhale, the bigger your exhale, the bigger your exhale, then the bigger your inhale. And, and it all is, it's dynamic, it works together, but it's the exhale that has the properties of release and letting mm. go um, that is really beneficial to the brain, to the nervous system, to anything that we're holding um, that feels stuck or stressed. It's the exhale, but it's you know, it's directly informed by the inhale, but that is just in the science of breath work that the exhale is about the release and the letting go. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's times in the salon when it's all too much, especially holiday time. I remember just having one person after the other and there's all this junk food and there's all this stuff going on and there's music playing and it's crowded and I would have to step outside in, you know, 20 degree temperatures and just take that deep breath in, deep breath out like four times. And I would come back in and feel like I could go another seven rounds with Sugar Ray, like just the energy from that deep breath. So we have, we have to get hairstylists to ditch the cigarettes and just keep doing, keep doing the breath. What yeah, do you think like, finally clicked for you? Like, what would you tell someone who just can't seem to kick the cigarette habit? Like, what was that the biggest thing you understanding the, the habit of the ritual? I do think understanding the ritual was really important for me and then learning how to, how to self-regulate, right? There's, um, which can take, which is like a, like a spectrum of, um, different things. So everything from like, I just need a break. So like, I'm going to go outside and have a cigarette break, right? It's just that, like that pause, the that break, shift, yeah, true. right? Like, the non-smokers never got to not to go outside for five minutes so like smoker true. and like I loved it I was like oh cigarette break but nobody else got that but it there, it does create space right the I would imagine there's some similarities between the restaurant world and um the salon industry and in that you're you're dealing with people all day yeah. long and sometimes that's really joyful and really awesome and like connected other times you're holding a lot of crap for people or you're the like the brunt of somebody's bad day right and so again there's no separation between mind and body and everything's energy so like what are we doing with that stuff that gets thrown on us so the cigarette smoker gets to go outside and take a break and kind of like shift shift mm -hmm. the energy just like you were saying so learning for myself like when I could feel that I was getting overwhelmed or 
um, for me, it shows up, but I'm fiery. So it's like when I feel myself becoming like really animated, um, uh, people starting to just annoy the shit out of me, right? Like, it's <laughs> like, okay, so you're not taking a cigarette break anymore. So what are you doing? Are you, am I like stepping out of the room? Am I like just something like that? And then all the way up to like um, bigger coping mechanisms for like um, bigger things in life, right? So how am I dealing with the addictive side, the addiction piece of it? How am I dealing with uh, the grief of the loss of my grandmother, right? So like just learning different ways to modulate my own um, emotional, emotional mental landscape. Um, and again, I think that, that those any mindfulness-based practice, you're gonna get to know yourself better. It's not always easy. It can be simple, like the act of paying, att paying attention is simple, but it's challenging. And sometimes we don't always like what we see, right? We, gotta, we have to get comfortable with some, in the, some of the, the aches and pains of just being alive and just being who we are and recognizing that we all have those things and can we come to it from a place of non-judgment and acceptance. And like you um, said earlier, Elaine, like um, I forget what word you used, um, but like our, uh, the idea of um, some of the things that, that happen that are a little bit more complicated or shadowy are actually like our gift or actually, so understanding the like the flip side of every coin, um, yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I know how to find you. I know where you are and you're very close to um, where I grew up and used to live, but I'm now in Florida and I know that people listening to this podcast are all over. So I love that you do the virtual yoga, um, tell people how they can find you if they're like me and they, they are beginners and they want to start to add this practice into their life. How can they find you? Sure. So my website is moramanzo.com. I am very accessible, which means you can email me. You can reach out to me on social media. I'm going to respond. You can ask me a gazillion questions um, based on what it is that you're looking for. And I'm going to direct you to the right place because I believe these types of practices are for everybody to feel, to feel better, mind, body, and spirit. And we just need help kind of getting to the right spot. And I will direct you to that spot, even if it means it's not with me. Um, one of the things that I uh, started offering, uh, I believe in like September, because we were we were in the in the throes of the pandemic, uh, that feels like a good access point for a lot of people. I do a meditation group where I send you a five minute meditation every week, something really simple, something really basic to just let you listen to over and over throughout the week to help you um, learn the skill of centering the mind. I think it's one of the biggest gifts we can give ourselves, especially as people that, uh, especially as people that are with people all day, right? To learn how to create a little bit of a buffer between that. And then that group, I, I do tons of other stuff, right? You have you get lots of stuff from me, um, but there's also then a monthly live virtual kind of Q&A session with access to me, and then we do a meditation together. But I think that's a nice place for people to start that are newer. And I find that when people start with that, then they either 
like it and continue with that and or it makes them feel a little bit more comfortable with then starting to ask questions about yoga um, and understanding what yoga is because it's not just a physical practice. It's a mindfulness practice. Um, so moremanzo.com is where is where I have where I have listed everything that I do. And I can't end this without asking if one of your future retreats is something that someone who is not well practiced and isn't totally immersed in that world is that something that we would be comfortable doing on one of your because you always pick amazing locations and I always mm -hmm. want to go but but the the healthy food and and the the lots of yoga is what intimidates me. <laughs> yes, so um, I just actually led a retreat this past weekend and. The folks that were on this treat, retreat, like nobody knows each other. They don't even practice with me that regularly, but I do a little bit of an intake with everybody, what they're looking for, what their experience is. And my intention with creating retreats is to bring in different elements so people can take care of themselves. So people can actually get a break and feel that they come out of it recharged. So there's yoga that will be appropriate for whoever's there. So if I have all advanced practitioners with me, I'm gonna teach something that's a little bit more advanced. If I have people that are, that are newer or have injuries, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach according to that. But there's yoga, there's always mindfulness, there's um, healthy food. And like one of, my, one of my gifts, I grew up as like the pickiest eater in the world, um, is creating healthy, nutritious, delicious food for people that doesn't feel like rabbit food, <laughs> Yay. <laughs> you have me. You and have me now. <laughs> and that feels easy, easy and affordable to recreate on your own. And then also the destination is part of the retreat. So there's got to be some element of nature, nature and light and things of that to nourish the whole system. And when that happens, when we give ourselves that space, we often find clarity to the questions we've been asking feeling better in our body, which always leads to better decision-making, better relationship. So those retreats, yoga is a piece of them, but it's about taking care of the whole. So yes, 100% accessible to folks that are new or have never done yoga before. And do you have anything on the calendar coming up or not, not yet? I do. Most of them right now through the end of the year, they're all local to um, Philadelphia. So they're all within a driving distance from Philadelphia. And I'm calling them micro retreats because I'm capping them at about six people. Nice. So that way, you know, just we're still coming out of the pandemic. So everybody right. feels safe. And then in 2022, if possible, I'll start getting back to getting on an airplane, meeting people in a cool destination in another part of the country or another part of the world. Nice. So if they go onto your website, they can sign up and be part of your newsletter and find out about those things. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This was very You're enlightening welcome. and wonderful. And I love how we were able to bring it into um, the salon industry and make people hopefully feel more comfortable trying out some, some beginner practices. Thanks, Elaine. I will also close by saying that I have a YouTube channel that I've started developing. So there are some um, simple five minutes meditations on there that people can also like jump into and get nice. a feel Spell for your name for people. So they make sure they sure. can find your website. Mora, Amazon, Mary, A-U-R-A, Manzo, Amazon, Mary, A-N-Z-O.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. It was such You're a welcome. treat and thank you all for listening. We'll see you on the next one.
Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.